If you have your Bible, and I hope that you do have your Bible, and if you don't have one, we want to give you one before you leave. Colossians chapter 3. We're going to continue studying through our series, Rooted and Grounded, every first Sunday of the month, which is our Communion Sunday. And today's title of the message is, What Do You Do With Your Freedom Today? What is it that you're doing with your freedom today? I want to ask you that question. Yesterday we celebrated the independence of our country or the freedom that we enjoy in this country. And as we celebrate that, we moreover as believers, today before we go to the table of communion, we are also going to celebrate our spiritual freedom. And our spiritual freedom begins at the cross. And every other freedom that we enjoy of here on earth is from there. In fact, I want to let you know that if you have not received the forgiveness of God at the cross from your sins, if you have not received that type of freedom, then you are still living as a slave to sin. And the amazing thing about what we're going to talk about today is that we no longer are slaves to sin because of Jesus. We are free. We're free from the bondage of sin. We're free from death. We are free from the penalty and from the judgment that one day we had to pay. But because of Jesus Christ on the cross now, we have freedom. But what are you doing with that freedom today? I want to ask you, especially in the times that we're living in today, how do you use your liberty? In fact, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, Paul tells the church of Galatia this, for You brethren have been called to liberty. We are all called to liberty. However, he says this, do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. Do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. In fact, the Bible tells us in here in Colossians, we're going to learn that our liberty ought to be used so that we can live a new life. Your liberty is not so that you can go back to the old life that you used to live. (laughs) And through the entire book of Colossians here, through this letter, is all about keeping Jesus the priority of your life. You see, we don't know much about freedom until we really realize and understand how the priorities of our lives look. Then it tells you what you're doing with your freedom. (laughs) Your Christian priorities and our values are so important. Because we ought to live a life of holiness and of obedience, of no compromise in this world. I love what the very well-known author and preacher Vance Hafner said. He said this, In our well-intentioned identification with the world, we do not mold it, it molds us. We are not to be isolated, but insulated, moving in the midst of evil, but untouched by it. See, there are times in our lives that we want to now go into the world to reach the world. And and we think oftentimes that as we are now in the world or intentionally now identifying with the world, that we are going to change it. But the moment that you try to identify or become relevant to the culture and the world around you, that's when the world starts to change you and you're not changing it. And this is exactly what we're going to talk about our Christian priorities today. Your Christian priorities, my Christian priorities 
begin with a Christian worldview. Now you have to ask yourself, what is a Christian worldview today? A Christian worldview is that you interpret everything in life and the current events in life and the decisions and the choices that you make through the Word of God, a Christian worldview. How is it that you're making the decisions, the values, the morals, the things that you stand for? Are they in light of or are they now being interpreted in light of the truth of God's Word? That is a Christian worldview. You see here in Colossians chapter 3, he's going to tell us what the priority is with a Christian worldview. Can we pray right now? Lord Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that today we can come, Lord, and you are our priority. We ask, Lord, that as you are our priority, as we choose to live and pursue a life with a Christian worldview, not a culture worldview, not a media worldview, not a relevant worldview, but a Christian worldview that assesses everything through the light of God's word and truth. That today we would get our priorities straight and in order. That we wouldn't want to be of the table of communion, but also belong at the table of the world. We have to choose. We thank you because your blood cleanses us from all sin. And we ask, Lord, that we would realign our priorities to your word this morning. It is in Jesus' name we pray and together we said, Amen. Now it tells us this in Colossians chapter 3 verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ. If is a conditional word. I love it. Because it's assuming now or since now you have been raised with Christ. Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting. Sitting at the right hand of God. Verse 2. Set your mind on the things above and not on the things of the earth. For you died. <laughs> And your life is hidden with Christ and God. And with Christ who is our life appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. Now notice this, that he speaks about a Christian priority, but the Christian priority begins with fixing your eyes and setting your mind. I want you to write that down if you like taking notes, that the Christian priority begins with fixing your eyes and setting your mind. And in verse 1 of chapter 3, he says, If then since now you have been born again, you have a responsibility. Because you have been raised up from being dead spiritually to now alive spiritually. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, it says, You he made alive who were dead in trespasses and in sins. Because you have been born again. Notice that. If then you've been raised from dead to life because you've been set free from the power and the bondage of sin already. Because of this or with that in mind, because you have been raised. You ought to do one thing and here in verse 1 is to seek those things which are above. Now the word raised is a very important word because not only does it speak from being now dead to alive, but it reminds us now of Jesus resurrecting back to life from dead in the tomb now to resurrected in life. And what is it that Jesus occupied himself when he was raised? What did he do after the resurrection? Now after the resurrection, Jesus, number one, lived in the power of the Holy Spirit after the resurrection. 
If then you have been born again, you ought to number one, live in the power of the Holy Spirit. If you have been born again, you also ought to look forward to heaven. Jesus, after the resurrection, was looking forward to heaven because he knew the ascension was soon. He knew he was going to ascend. And number three, what Jesus was doing after he was raised, it was he was spending time with the disciples serving one another. Now, do you see how you as a believer, these ought to be your priorities? Then number one, you ought to be living in the power of the Holy Spirit. Then number two, you also ought to be looking forward to heaven. And additionally, you ought to also be spending time with the believers serving one another. But you have a responsibility since you've been born again, and because your identity is in Jesus Christ, that you would seek. Now the word seek is a very important word. Because all of us in life are seeking for something. What are you seeking for today? I want to ask you. Or who are you seeking for? You see, the word seek speaks about a focus. Seek means focus your eyes on things that are above. Where are your eyes focused today? Specifically in a time where it's so easy to become distracted. He is saying, since you've been born again, it is time for you, church, to focus. <laughs> Seek, focus now. In fact, it speaks about fixing your sight, dilating your vision now. It speaks about now purpose. It speaks about pursuing. It speaks about aim. It speaks about your perspective now on realities of heaven and on eternity. Focus and concentrate on this. Fixed. Now I love that word fixed or seek. Because fixed, it's something that does not fluctuate. It is fixed to that. It's fixed to the fact that I've been born again. It doesn't fluctuate with circumstances around me because it's fixed. It is not variable to the things that are taking place around me. That there is fixed. Now what does he tell us? What is the exhortation now? It says, don't change. Don't stop looking. Focus. Fix your eyes. You have a command to pursue the things that are above. To pursue spiritual things. What are you pursuing today? What things are you looking for? What things are you seeking? Here in verse 1 it says, Seek the things which are above. Where? Where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. See, your command, our command today is to look for things, pursue at things, focus on things that are eternal and that are not temporary. Your conversion and my conversion to Christ and our transformation to Christ begins with our heart, our mind, but also our sight. What are you looking for? What are the things that you're looking for today? What are you seeking? Are your eyes fixed on heaven? Are your eyes fixed on spiritual things? Not only does it speak about your sight, but then in verse 2, it says, set your mind. Notice that. Set your mind. I am to now fix my eyes and I am to set my mind. Now remember that please today in the days that we're living in and the crucial and vital times that we're walking in today that you are to fix your eyes and you are to set your mind. Today Lord help us fix our eyes and set our mind on things that are spiritual and not on things that are from the world. Notice set your mind. Think about see the Greek here of set your mind emphasizes an ongoing decision. I'm going to set my mind today. Because it's so easy for your mind to wander. It is so easy for your mind to be distracted. 
And distraction begins when you take your eyes off of what is true and put it on what is false. You become instantly distracted. Not only are you distracted then, but your mind is now entertained with things that are not spiritual now, but things that are temporal. So he's saying, set your mind, make an ongoing decision to discipline yourself and your mind. Your mind on what? That your mind would be thoughts that are connected to heaven. That your thoughts and your values and your aspirations and your decisions and your desires would not be on things of the earth, but on things of heaven. Not on the, eter not on the temporal, but on the eternal. Now, do you see how important it is for us as believers to have a fixed sight and a set mind? So that we don't become distracted in the times that we're living in. In fact, today we need spiritual discipline. I want you to remember that. Spiritual discipline. So that we don't become distracted. Today you will either be, as we walk out of church... You will either be disciplined in the way that your sight is, in the way that your mind is, or you will be distracted. And when you're distracted, you're walking away from God and His purpose in your life, and you start to satisfy and give in to the desires of the old man, and, and not walking in the new man that God has called you. Because here it's speaking about almost like an athlete that is training now with a goal and with a purpose and with a finish line in mind. His eyes are fixed on this finish line. His mind is set on winning. <laughs> there are often times that we're on the spiritual race, but we no longer are fixed at the finish line and our mind is wandering at who is in the sidelines. Fix your eyes today, church. Set your mind. Program it. Concentrate it, focus it, discipline it on things that are spiritual and not on things of the earth. Fix your eyes, keep your eyes on Jesus. In fact, take your eyes off the media and put your eyes on Christ. Put your eyes on the Bible. Open your Bible. Because a person that doesn't open their Bible has wandering eyes and has a wandering mind. This is so important here. In fact, in verse 3, it tells us this, For you died. This is the reason why. That you are no longer the old person. You died. Those desires died. That old mentality died. The things you used to focus on and concentrate, they died now. That no longer is you. Your identity is not trying to identify with the world. You know what the problem is with sometimes in believers today? That we want to become relevant to the world so that we can reach the world. That never happened in the Bible. Your identity is not found in how you can become more like the world. Your identity is how you can become more like the image of God. You died. <laughs> and so did that old image. <laughs> Notice here in verse 3. For your di you died and your life, your entire life is hidden with Christ in God. What does that mean? You died. Those desires died, that old life died, and your new life, the life that Christ has given you, is hidden. Now hidden means that it is reserved. Hidden means that it is kept away, set apart, it is separated now. Do you see how your life is hidden today? I want you to know that your life is hidden. It is not for everyone. Your life is not for everything. Your life is not for anything. Your life is hidden, it is reserved, it is set apart now for God. You belong to God, you were bought with a price. 
Now, do you see how he's talking about our new nature? In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, Paul reminds the church in Corinth, You were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body, in your spirit, which are God's. Glorify God in your new nature. Verse 4, look what it tells us. So that, so that fixing your eyes and setting your mind is so important, so that when Christ, who is our life, appears. Now, circle, underline, when Christ, who is our life, our career is not our life. <laughs> our work is not our life. Sports are not our life. Music is not our life. Entertainment is not our life. In your new nature, Christ is your life. That is your mission statement. That is your life verse. Friends are not your life. Family is not your life. God is your life. A lot of times we say family first. And we pride ourselves. That's a very healthy pride to have. Yes, we're going to take care of our family. But Colossians tells us that the head of everything, Christ, is first. You see how we can really quickly get our priorities mixed up? Here in verse 4 it says, Because Christ, who is your life, because Christ, who is your life, when He does one thing, appears. When He is revealed now, when Christ who is our life, where in whom our life on earth and heaven consists of, when Christ appears now, or when He is revealed now, we will also, verse 4, look what it says, appear with Him in glory. There's a promise in verse 4. How many of you guys came to church this morning for a promise? <laughs> in verse 4 here, there's a promise. When Christ appears, the promise of Him coming again, the promise of His second coming is promised here in Colossians chapter 3, verse 4. When He comes again, so is the promise that you will be coming with Him. You see, the Bible talks about a rapture and a second coming. The rapture can happen anytime before we end our gathering together. God can rapture the church. And we can be ready to say, we hear the trumpet sound and we're gone. Just imagine all the sounds of the fireworks and one day you hear a sound. It's a different sound. It's a sound that the world has never heard. It's the trumpet sound. It's the call of God. It's the voice of an archangel. And the tombs and the dead will rise first. And then the church will be raptured up into heaven. That's amazing. How many of you guys praise God for the rapture of the church today? Amen. You can praise God. Yes. But the Bible says that we will be coming again with Him. And this is why... We must prepare ourselves. See, verse 1, 2, 3, and 4 speaks about God being a priority, Christ being a priority, but also a preparation to focus your eyes and focus your mind on things that are above. Stop trying to identify with the world below. You don't belong to the world. In fact, what he's saying, focus on whose name you represent. That's the name of Jesus. Because when you focus on that name, guess what happens? There is a change. And there's a transformation in your life. And then you begin to live a life that is worthy of your salvation. See, there are often times where we say, well, I'm focusing on the things that are above. I'm setting my mind on things that are in heaven. However, our life looks as if we're living for this world. And here he's going to tell us from verses 5 and on in chapter 3 of Colossians, how when your eyes are fixed and when your mind is set, your life looks different. Do you remember that? Would you remember that today? 
that when your eyes are fixed and your mind is set, your entire life is going to look different. In fact, it says in verse 5, Therefore, with that being said, put to death. <laughs> Continue to mortify the desires of the flesh every day. Therefore, every time we see it, therefore, we have to ask, why is it therefore? <laughs> with that being said now, put off, put to death now. In fact, here, put to death. In the Greek word, it's necrosate. Necrosate, put off. What necrosate means is, it means to literally make dead. <laughs> it doesn't mean to suppress. It means to exterminate anything that doesn't honor God completely. Necrosate. You ought to necrosate the desires, put to death the desires of the flesh because they are contrary to your identity in Jesus. That is contrary to Jesus. I will not be a part of that. That is contrary, that is inconsistent to my calling with God. I don't want to touch that now. I don't want to be enticed. I do not want to be seduced with the lust of the flesh. Let's read what it says. Therefore put to death your members... Or your sin nature, notice this, which are on the earth. Put to death the sin nature every day that you battle with on earth. It gives us a list. You have to appreciate this list. <laughs> you know why this list is so amazing? Because it doesn't excuse us from ignorance. We can't say, well, I didn't know what the now members of our flesh meant. It gives us a list to give us clarity now as to what we ought to stay away from. It says, first of all, fornication. Sex out of marriage. Sexual sin. Stay away from it. Stay away from it. You know, this world, this culture is all driven by sex. And not only does it say that, but it says here, uncleanness. What is uncleanness? Uncleanness means impurity or other sensual types of sin or anything that promotes sexual sin stay away from that environment fornication and impurity stay away from it passion now what is passion passion is lust if you put yourself in a position of passion or of lust know this that pretty soon your flesh is going to be weak and you will enter into temptation therefore you have to put to death the lust the fornication, the uncleanness, all the sin. In fact, it goes on and it says, any type of evil desire in your heart, put that to death. And covetousness as well. It throws in all these sexual sins and it also speaks about greed. Put to death greed now. Why? Because greed, notice what it says here in verse 5, please church. Greed is idolatry. Do you worship possessions today? When, you have a, uh, when your eyes are fixed on God and when your mind is set on the Lord, you no longer are worshiping possessions. You are no longer worshiping possessions. You are worshiping the Lord. And possessions, possessions are no longer those that dominate your mind. It's not about possessions. It's not about the bigger car, the bigger house, the bigger toys. It's not about that. It's about your mind. Being fixed on the Lord. I was talking to my wife yesterday. And we we're talking about our neighbors that we just love them so much. We try to minister and reach, to, reach out to them as much as we can. But, you know, our neighbors, they, 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 just, they love to just get new things all the time. They get a new car. They, they, they recently got a huge new, brand new RV. 
And I told my wife, I, I'm just so thankful that we don't care about those things. So these would be very extensive neighbors to live next to. You have to keep up with everything. But he's saying, put off fornication, lust, impurity. Also, put off, listen to this, what does it say? Put off now any type of covetousness or of idolatry. Let's keep reading here, verse 6. What does it tell us? Because of these things, the wrath of God, or because of these sins, the anger and the judgment of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. When you give in to these things, the judgment of God is going to come upon the sons of disobedience. You have to ask yourself the question today. Who will you identify with? The world or with Jesus? Who are you going to identify with? Who do you want to be known by? What are you trying to prove? There are often times we want to be known by the world instead of being known in the presence of God. Verse 7. In which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. Now it goes on in verse 7. It speaks about your testimony because it says this. You also walked in those sins one day. But that was your past life. That is a past tense. The, the wrath of God is coming upon a lifestyle or a world of that type of judgment. And you once walked in the works of the flesh in the past. But now you no longer are to live in sin. Verse 8 it says, but now... It goes from past, your past in verse 7, to your present in verse 8. That used to be me, but that's not me anymore. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want anything that promotes that. I don't want anything that affiliates to that any longer. But now, you yourselves are to, listen to this, put off. Like dirty clothes. Before you can put on the new clothes, what do you have to put off? Old, dirty clothes. Put off these now you would say, well, you know what? I am not living in any kind of sexual sin. I'm not, you know, in greed or in covetousness. That's not a sin that I battle with or fornication or adultery, anything like that. But it also speaks about any area of your life that you may compromise specifically in your tongue. And it says, put off now anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Any dirty language? Any gossip, any slander, any evil speaking, any backbiting is just as much of the old man as the sexual sin. All of these sins are part of the old man. You have to put these off, that these are in the image of the old man. The old man, the image of the old man is a fallen man, but the image of the new man is Jesus Christ. Now, the old man had a master and that master was its flesh. Now the new man also has a master, and the master of the new you, of your new nature, your new spiritual nature, the master of you now is the Spirit of God living inside you. Notice what it says here, put this out of your mouth. Now verse 9, do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with what? It's works. Don't lie. Don't speak evil, but also don't lie. You know what? Deception is so... It's so crazy today. Because deception doesn't, or lying doesn't only mean that you're not telling the truth. It also means that you're twisting the truth. It means that you're masquerading the truth. In fact, don't lie to one another. It means do not keep anything away from one another. Be transparent with one another. It speaks about integrity. You know, a person that has integrity, you know, we've been talking about it on Wednesday night. A person 
that has integrity is a person that has nothing to hide. A person that refuses to live a lie. Integrity. Nothing to hide. Don't lie to one another, it's saying here. Why? Because our identification is based on our transformation in life. In Romans chapter 6, verse 1, we see that Paul is saying, What then? Shall we sin so that grace would abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? We're not going to live in it no more. We've died to that. We're not going to live in it any longer. But verse 10 back to Colossians chapter 3, it says, And have put on the new man. You put off the old man. In verse 10, you're putting on the new man. Put off the old man, put on what? The new man. And the new man is renewed. It's made new again. That's what renewed means. But the new man is renewed in what? In knowledge. Or knowledge is truth. Truth about God's word according to the image of Him who created Him. Be renewed in the knowledge of Him who created you. See, the way that you can put on or be renewed is, first of all, you have to put off the old. But then as you are renewed or the new man starts to grow in your life, notice how he says this, renewed as you learn now the truth or the knowledge of your Creator and you have hunger now to know what God says in His Word, that you become more like Him and there's a spiritual growth. That's why it says, to the image of Him who created Him. In order you be more like His image, you have to be renewed in your mind and in your knowledge to say, my knowledge, my mind is focused on the truth of who God is. I am being renewed and I am looking more like Christ every day. That's the question today. Are you looking more like Christ every day? Is, that, is there any image or any resemblance of the Father? Because you're spending time with Him. Notice verse 11. I love verse 11. It's so important for us today. Where there is in the new man... With the renewed mind, with the renewed heart, there is neither, notice here, Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave nor free. But listen to this, but Christ is all and in all. Christ is supreme. And in the new man, when your mind and your heart is renewed, there is no racial, cultural differences or lines or barriers that man has created because of the old man. Do you see how the new man no longer looks at these cultural, racial statuses as differences, but they see everyone as a part of the family of God, and it is in God that these barriers are broken in society that man has created? Now this is so important. Because it's only the power of the gospel in Jesus Christ here in the new man that breaks these barriers. Nothing else will break the barriers that man has created. We might want to institute different types of laws, but until we change the heart, nothing has really changed. It is in the new man. The new man, his mind is renewed, his heart has changed, therefore he sees Everyone, not as a Jew or a Greek, but as a child of God. Notice that the new man sees everyone as a child of God. The born again person sees one another as a child of God before anything else. You see, your first identity is not in your culture. Your number one identity is in Christ as a child of God. 
And when people ask you, we ought to be more proud to represent our identity as a child of God than anything else. Anything else. In fact, you're a citizen of heaven. <laughs> that changes everything. Your citizenship is in heaven. That's when you truly know that your eyes are fixed and your mind is set. I'm living as a citizen of heaven here on earth. Now verse 12, as we continue reading, Therefore as the elect of God are chosen to God to be holy and loved by Him, holy and beloved, put on. What are we going to put on? We already learned what we're going to take off. This is what we're going to put on. This is the branding of our new clothes. Tender mercies. Now this is all about how you treat people. This is all about your relationships. Tender-hearted means be sensitive to others, have a heart of compassion. Put on a heart of compassion. Put on kindness. Care about your neighbor's good. Put on kindness. Put on humility. Put others first as well. Because when you put these on in humility, you also can show a gentleness and a patience. Gentleness and long-suffering. Now, this is all about your relationships with other people. Do you see how you cannot put on these things until you have put off the old man? The problem sometimes is, is that we want to carry the old man with us, but still bear the image of the new nature, and that is impossible. It is impossible to have the undergarments of the old man and try to look like Christ. <laughs> we have to put those things off. So that we can put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Notice this, verse 13, bearing with one another. Bearing with one another. What does that mean? Put up with one another, church. <laughs> with the person that you met, ah, it's so tough for me to you know, spend time with that person. Putting up with one another. That's just what it says. Enduring, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. Not only am I going to be patient, I'm going to patiently endure now. And I'm going to forgive if anyone has a complaint against one another. Even as Christ forgave you, you also must do. Now, it's not an option. It's not a suggestion. It says it's a commandment. You must do it. If someone has offended you now, you have a responsibility to be patient with that person. And you have a commandment now also to forgive that person. How? Even as Christ forgave you. Now, you ought not to forgive that person the way you forgive, but the way God forgives. If that person has offended you. Now, how did God forgive you? He forgave you when you did not deserve forgiveness, number one. That person doesn't deserve it. Perfect, just the way you didn't either. Even as Christ forgave you. He forgave us when we didn't deserve forgiveness, number one. He also forgave us, number two. And then He forgot about the sin. He didn't keep bringing it up. <laughs> he didn't bring it up the past. He forgot about that. That is true forgiveness. This is what he said. Even the same way that Christ forgave you, you also ought to forgive. You ought not to be in bondage of unforgiveness. Because when you harbor unforgiveness in your heart, guess what you become? Bitter. And you either will become bitter or like someone said, better. <laughs> Are you becoming bitter or better? There's so much freedom in forgiveness. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, it says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Let's keep reading here. Verse 14, But above all, put on, put on. Above all these things, you can put on these other virtues, but if you don't put on this one, it's unbalanced, it's empty, it's distorted. This one you must put on. This holds everything else together. In fact, you have to put on love. 
which is the bond. It's the glue now of perfection. It's what binds us. It will, it's what links us up to perfect unity. You want to see more unity in the church, in the body of Christ? Do you want to see more unity in your family, in your workplace, among your relationship, in your marriage? Put on love. Put that love on every single day. Before you're concerned about what else you're going to put on, you better make sure that before you leave the house, you are wearing love. <laughs> Have you ever left your house without shoes? You wouldn't do that. I hope you would never leave your house without your pants or your shirt either. <laughs> That you would remember, I have to put this on. I cannot leave without it. In fact, love is essential for unity. Notice how it says, love is the bond, it's the glue, it's what binds us together in perfect harmony. This is what it says now. Love is that which holds us all together now. You want to be together, then you need love. And let. Verse 15 and 16 is going to talk about a let. You ought to let this happen. Let means you ought to yield, you ought to allow. And let, look at this, and let, verse 15, the peace of God, it's the peace that guards your heart and mind. This is the peace that he's talking about. It's the peace that surpasses all understanding. Let the peace of God guard your heart and mind to which you also were called in one body and be what? Be what? Thankful. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, be thankful? Be thankful. Let the peace of God now, as you put on the new man, what do you have to do? Now let the peace of God, here it says rule. That word rule means, let the peace of God that guards your heart, let the peace of God that guards your mind, let it be the authority in your life. Let it be now the umpire. <laughs> you know what the umpire does? It calls the shots. Let it be the governor, the peace, the governor, the umpire. Not emotions or not fears, let the peace of God be the umpire, the ruler, the governor in your life. Let the peace of God, because you were called into one body, the peace of God keeps you united in complete wholeness with one another. In fact, the peace of God also gives you a heart of gratitude. Verse 16, as we end, we also, also let not only the peace of God, but also let the Word of God. This is important, church. If you don't have a healthy intake of the Word of God, then you will not have peace. In fact, how do you expect to grow if there is no soil? The soil of the Word of God. The seed of the Word of God. Penetrating your life. Let the Word of Christ live in you. Are you letting the Word of God live in you? Do you read your Bible every day? Carry your Bible with you. You know... After many years of being just so blessed to be able to grow in the church, I've learned that. The more that I carry my Bible, the more that I realize that it's the Bible that's actually carrying me. And in your life, what is carrying you today? Your emotions are the Word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, believe it. But my words will by no means pass away. What you think matters right now, maybe not matter so much in eternity. Notice here, let the Word of God dwell in you, live in you abundantly, richly, everything about the Word of God live in you, and all its richness abundantly, let it fill your life in all wisdom, 
teaching and admonishing one another so that you can teach one another, so that you can grow one another, so you can comfort one another, so you can counsel one another. How will you do that as an intake of the Word of God? We are going to now, listen to this here, we are going to comfort, teach, now counsel one another in what? Here we go, I love this, in psalms, <laughs> in hymns, in spiritual songs. Now, now circle this word right here, this is a big word. This is what you're called to, singing. <laughs> Can you say that with me? Singing. Don't sing at church. When you have the word of God, guess what you're going to do? You're going to sing. Because it's the word of God that's the authority. And it comforts me. It counsels me. It changes me. Everything about me. In fact, out of the Word of God, out of devotion of the Word of God, guess what happens? Singing happens. Worship happens. True, pure worship is only born out of a devotion of the Word of God. And then you can do verse 17 and 16 and 17. Admonish with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, not worldly songs. Well, can I listen to secular music? Is, that, is this song good? Can I just, man, I love bumping this in my car. Spiritual songs that are going to feed your soul with the grace of God in your hearts to the Lord. What you listen to, what you sing to, it's because it's in your heart. And whatever you do, verse 17 as we end, this is amazing. Whatever you do, the new man, please. In word or in deed, in whatever you say or in whatever you do, do it all in the name of Jesus, the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. If you can't, notice this, and I want to say this, and, and I'm going to be very direct because I have to. If you can't do it in the name of Jesus, then don't do it at all. If you can't thank God and, and give glory to Jesus, then you have no business doing it at all. In fact, what he's saying here. And whatever you say and whatever you do, let it be consistent to who he is and to what he wants. Oh, but I want. <laughs> it's because you don't understand. This is what I feel. Whatever you do and whatever you say, listen to this, let it be consistent to who he is and to what he wants because your new nature doesn't live for you. Your new nature doesn't revolve around self. Your new nature revolves around God now. And if you can't glorify God with it, and if you can't give thanks to God for it, then you don't want to be a part of it at all. Ask yourself the question here. If I say this, or if I do this, is it number one wise? Is this wise? And number two, is it appropriate? Because, just because you feel like you want to be a part of it, doesn't mean it is wise, and it does not mean it's appropriate. Can we pray? Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, God. We thank you, Lord, that we have been raised in Christ, Lord. The old man has put, been put away, and the new man is so glorious in you, Jesus. It's glorious, God. We ask God that we would put to death the old. 
that in everything, whatever we say and do, we would do it to Jesus, for Jesus, unto Jesus. Give us our Christian priorities, Lord, our values, Lord, that they would be consistent to who you are. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.